tonight what we're going to discuss is an admonition and an actuality. When you think of the word admonition, uh, what verse comes to mind? Is there a particular one that comes to mind for you? Well, one of those that comes to mind for me is Ephesians 6.4. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And you say, Jeff, the word admonition is not in there. Yes, it is. Let me take you to the King James Version of that very same verse. And it says, And ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I hope you understand what an admonition is. It's a caution or it's an advice against something. It's authoritative counsel. Think about it that way. It's counsel from someone who has great authority. So we're going to talk about the admonition of your children tonight. And then we're going to discuss why that is so necessary. But first I want to ask you a question. How many of you have a life verse? A life verse. How many of you know what a life verse is? There, that may be the, the basic question. A life verse is a verse from the Bible that just touches you in a very special way. Uh, it's so meaningful that it seems that when you read that verse, God put it in the Scriptures just for you. It's personal. It may be to you something that resonates with your soul. It probably includes a story or an experience in your life that you connect with in that verse. And so, for me, tonight I have the privilege of speaking on my life verse, which is Joshua 24:15, And we'll read that in a little bit, but I, that is mine, and I connect with this verse in so many different ways. And so when Jonathan assigned me that passage, I was, I was very excited to do that. It was a joy to study and be ready to help you guys understand what that verse is talking about to us. As you'll see as we read it, it is a direct challenge to us today. And it was written probably 4,000 years ago, but it's a direct challenge for us today in 2021 to decide, one, how we're going to live our lives as individuals, and then two, how are we going to parent our children? So let's get right into it and learn a little bit about this familiar story of Joshua and so number one on your outline there is the backstory, the backstory. And we know that Joshua is the one who makes this challenging exhortation to the people of Israel in Joshua 24. But what's the setting behind that? What prompts Joshua to ask this question? And for that, we're going to need to move back a chapter, okay? We're going to move back into chapter 23. So open your Bibles to Joshua 23. And we're going to read 23, and I'm going to start in verse uh, 1 of 23, and I'm going to read through verse uh, probably down around 13. <clears throat> it says this, Now it came about after many days 
when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies on every side, and Joshua was old and advanced in ages in years, that Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and he said to them, I am old, advanced in years, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you, for the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. See, I have apportioned to you these nations which remain as an inheritance for your tribes. With all the nations which I have cut off from the Jordan, even to the great sea toward the setting of the sun, the Lord your God, he will thrust them out from before you and drive them out before you, and you will possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Be very firm then to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you will not associate with these nations, these which remain among you, or mention the name of their gods, or make anyone swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them, but you are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out great and strong nations from before you, and as for you, no man has stood before you to this day. One of your men puts to flight a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you, just as he promised you. So take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. For if you ever go back, and cling to the rest of these nations, these which remain among you, and intermarry them with them, so that you associate with them and they with you, know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out from before you. But they will be a snare and a trap to you, and a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Next on your outline there is Joshua's address and admonition. From these verses that we just read, we read of two things. The first thing you'll notice is God's great faithfulness to his people and to his promises. It says over and over again, God is doing what he promised he would do. And now he's doing it. So often in our society today, people make promises to you that they know they can't uphold to begin with, but they'll make that promise. God is not like that. When God makes a promise, it is guaranteed. It is going to happen. And God's judgment will happen if the people serve other gods. How serious is God about us not serving other gods? Well, you only have to look at the Ten Commandments to see that. What's the very first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. Our God is very serious about idols and having gods. The second commandment is... Just a further definition of the first. It says, you shall not make for yourself an idol. 
Then it goes on to say you shouldn't worship them or serve them. It's pretty straightforward, authoritative counsel. It's an admonition. Well, that's what Joshua was telling the people in chapter 13, wasn't he? He says, when you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the angel of the Lord will burn against, the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you will perish quickly from off the good land which he's given you. But you know, folks, that admonition was for the nation of Israel at the time. But it applies to you and me today. It's no different. We are to serve no other gods. Truth simply doesn't change. God's word is just like the writer of Hebrews when he wrote in Hebrews 13:8 about Jesus Christ. It is the same yesterday as it is today, as it is tomorrow and forever. It doesn't change. Isaiah 48 says this, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands for how long? Forever. Okay, so we understand the challenge that Joshua gave to the people back then. Second on your outline is the big decision. This is where we're going to get into Joshua 24. And you say, wow, this, this Joshua guy, he's kind of a no-nonsense type of communicator. Yeah. You know, sadly today we have a lot of preachers who will stand up before those congregations and they want their people to be coddled. And they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings with an exhortation. So they don't talk about the things in the Bible that would do that. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about God's wrath. They don't talk about justice. Joshua was willing to lose a few friends here to warn his flock of people to heed his counsel so that that discipline didn't come their way. You as a parent do the same thing. You are not about to let your child run out in the street where the cars are. And you're willing to have them be upset with you for you saying that to them. Chip reminded us of this the last time we met in Deuteronomy 6.6. 6, you shall teach your children diligently. When you rise up, when you walk along the way, when you lie down, you're teaching your children. When your children are little really little. You're the one who makes the decisions. So in a way tonight, I'm not just speaking to you as a parent, but I'm most importantly speaking to you as an individual. It starts honestly with you, mom and dad. It does. And we're going to talk about how dangerous that could be if that doesn't take place. And here in Joshua 24, we read about the big decision to be made. First, it has to be made by you, mom and dad. That decision has to be made by you. And then secondly, someday 
We pray that your children, as they grow up and gain an understanding of the Lord, that they will make a decision as well, a big decision. And that decision is to choose who you will serve. Joshua recounts the different gods of, the, of his day, so let's discuss some versions of gods. The first one is the gods of then. That's on your outline there, the gods of then. Joshua mentioned the gods that his ancestors served. We're going to read that here in, right now. I want to go ahead and stop and read it before we get into this. This is Joshua. We're going to start in Joshua 24. We're going to start with verse 14. It says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. 15. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is He who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us through all the way in which we went, and among all the peoples through whose midst we passed. And then he, they go on to say, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. And then Joshua said to the people, you will not be able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done good for you. But the people say what? No, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves, that you have chosen for yourselves the Lord to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. Folks, there were a lot of gods back then. There was like a god on every corner. People had personal household gods. Joshua mentions them. Those were all the heathen nations that surrounded the, uh, the nation of Israel at the time, those gods were made of wood, they were made of stone, and they demanded works for acceptance. And in some cases, even the sacrifice of children. I can't imagine that, how precious children are to us, and they would sacrifice those children. Offer a sacrifice and you won't receive condemnation was the approach. Those were the gods of then, but I want to bring it into your life today. And let's talk about, secondly on your outline there, the gods of today. You know, we live in an opulent society. We are, as one Lebanese man told me, you are the land of plenty. You have plenty. We have untold riches in America today, and therein lies the problem. We have many opportunities to worship other gods, don't we? No, they're not wood. They're not stone. You know, there's people who worship their wealth. 
There's those that worship their possessions. There's those that worship their success or their fame. There's those that worship their children. Now, people won't say that they worship those things. You know that as well as I do. They're not going to say it. You're not going to say it. But their words and their actions prove otherwise. You want to know what people worship? Follow their money. That's a good trail to follow. You'll see it. Jesus said in Luke 12, 34, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Folks, in our world today, there's so many potential gods that we could serve. It is mind-boggling. You got the internet, you got food, you got clothing, you got sex, you got the local sports teams, your political party, and it just goes on and on and on. In fact, my son who lives overseas told me one time, he said, Dad, the problem with America is you have too many choices. You have too many choices. He was right. I was just in the grocery store yesterday. There was a whole wall of cheese. I mean, as far as I could see, there was cheese of every make, model, and it was just incredible. And I couldn't find the cheese that I wanted. <laughs> we really do have a choice of gods. Which one will you choose? That's the question you need to answer. But folks, there's one other god we hadn't discussed yet. That's the god of thee. T-H-E-E. That's on your outline. The God of thee. The God we most often serve is the God of self. It's the God of Joshua. It's the God of Naomi. It's the God of Brad. It's the God of Stephen. It's the God of Jeff. We serve us, don't we? We're obsessed with our looks. We're obsessed with our status, our reputation. The list can just go on and on. You know, it's so bad that I can remember one time cutting a piece of cake. It was the last piece of cake, and I cut it in half for Debbie and I to eat, and I accidentally cut one bigger than the other, and I'm thinking, will she notice <laughs> if I take the big slice? Because I'm interested in serving me. And she's going to get some cake. It's not a bad thing. But see, it is subtle. It is so subtle how we just serve ourselves. You know, I, let me give you an example of how you serve yourself. When you look at a picture that's got you in it, who's the first person you look for? You. Don't you? You look to see what your hair looks like. By the way, do I look fat in this shirt? You know, you look at those kind of things because that's the way we're wired. And that's what society says we should do. We should be taking care of number one. And that's a worship of thee. But before we end this list of gods, Joshua challenges uh, the folks here and also us to not fall prey to the last god, the god of indecision. Indecision. Here's where Joshua puts his emphasis, doesn't he? And this is where I'm going to begin to zero in on each of you as parents. Let me be brutally honest. 
you cannot wait until your children are teenagers and exhibiting some unacceptable behavior before you decide whom you're going to serve. It's too late. Those patterns, those attitudes, those motives, those emotions, they're just set like in concrete. You just can't wait. Now is the time to take care of your little children's hearts, to put the time and the effort into it. When your children are little is when you build into their lives the importance of obedience. They don't need to know why they need to obey. They just need to obey. You obey because mommy asks you to obey. And they say, well, why? Doesn't matter. Just obey. They need to learn respect. They need to learn love for others rather than themselves. They're not going to get that character built into themselves by themselves. It is your God-ordained responsibility, Mom and Dad. You can't turn it over to a nanny you can't turn it over to the school system, the sports coaches, the social clubs, not even the church. The church is a very helpful place, but they are not the ones to raise your children. They're to be a tool in your hand to help you raise your children. And God forbid that you would turn them over to social media for them to find their wisdom there. When God grants you the privilege of being a parent, you don't get a choice of the responsibility, do you? And by the way, you're not a parent from 8 in the morning to 5 in the afternoon because that's when you feel good. You're a parent 24-7. So make a decision today which God you'll serve. And then serve the one true and living God with all your being. I'm telling you, it starts with you, Mom and Dad. You are training up the next generation. And oh, by the way, here's the sad part. You don't get a do-over. You don't get a mulligan like in golf. You get one shot at raising your children. You know, I have some regrets in my heart that I'll never share with anybody about me raising my kids, but they're gone. I plead with you. Do it now. Don't wait. Don't let that job get in the way of you parenting your children. Don't let that sports team or whatever it is that is that God in your life. I promise you this, your children will be grown and gone before you know it. So while I'm hammering you to make the right decision to serve God as a parent, let's talk about the bad news. Number three on your outline is the bad news. Let's read about what happens when you make the poor decision to not invest the training and admonition of the Lord into your children. Turn back with me to Joshua 24, and let's look at verse 29 through 31. 
Joshua 24, 29 through 31. It came about after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the territory of his inheritance in Timnath Sarai, which is in the hill country of Ephraim on the north of Mount Gash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua and had known all the deeds of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now, I want you to turn over to the very next book, Book of Judges. I want you to turn to chapter 2, and let's look at verse 8 through 10. Judges 8 through 10. It says, Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Verse 9, And they buried him in the territory of his inheritance in, in Timnath Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Verse 10, All that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and here's the scary part, And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work he had done for Israel. Folks, that's scary. That there can be a generation that arises and does not know the Lord. A on your outline is the first generation's faithfulness. One Bible teacher that uh, I had heard before related this passage to an object lesson of three chairs. You may have heard that. Joshua is sitting in the first chair. Joshua 24, 31 says, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Joshua's generation, they served the Lord who created them and sustained them and had brought them into the promised land. And they were faithful to the end of their years. Now, not 100% of the people, obviously not. But generally speaking, Joshua and his generation, they chose for themselves and their houses to serve the Lord. Is that where you are as a family? Are you in chair number one? Are you sold out for the Lord? Is that the ultimate commitment you made that regardless of whatever else happens in this world, me and my house will serve the Lord? Are you in chair one? Are you supremely committed to serving God? And are you going to raise your children to know and love the Lord? Well, let's read on and see what happened in Joshua's next generations. On your outline B, there's the second generation's failure. This is the second chair. The first chair was Joshua and his commitment, fully committed to the Lord. The second chair is this generation. Look at Joshua 24, 31 again. It says, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua and had known all the deeds of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Joshua served the Lord. Then this next generation that comes up, they followed Joshua due to his exhortation. And the parents believed in the Lord, but something happened in this generation Something terrible happened here. They failed in their duties to train up the next generation. They did not serve the Lord the way that Joshua's generation served the Lord. 
And that led to see on your outline the third generation's falling away. The judge, excuse me, Judges 2.10 reads this. All that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord. Folks, this is the third chair. Did not know the Lord. What? Was, did God go on vacation? Did he hide himself from them? Was he not taking care of the world? What happened here? Folks, it's very simple. And you guys are right there to where you can make success or failure out of the next generation. It's very simple. The generation before this one failed to serve the Lord and teach their children, just like Chip taught us last time. They failed to teach their children about the things of the Lord, and they failed to live out a life that their children could emulate. My parents sat in the second chair. My folks said they were Christians. They're both, with, they're both in the grave now, and I pray they're in heaven, but I don't believe that they are. They were very moral people, as far as I could tell. They loved me dearly. They took good care of me as I was growing up. But folks, I received no biblical instruction from them. I was never read Bible stories. I was not prayed with nor nurtured in the things of the Lord. I have no remembrance of ever sitting with my parents in church. So growing up, I lived with people who sat in that second chair, who claimed to be Christians, who lived a moral life as far as you could tell it. But they didn't teach the admonition of the Lord to their children. And I was headed into a life of sitting in the third chair. And, but by the grace of God, I was introduced to a friend in school and his family, and they, through their lives, led me to the Lord. I saw the first chair lived out in that family. I was shocked when I went to their house one night to eat dinner and they prayed before they ate. I'd never done that. So I saw that first chair lived out before me and the Lord used that friendship to draw me to himself. So the question is, where do you sit tonight? Which chair are you in? Do you see how fast it happened in Joshua's time? I'm telling you, it can happen just as quickly in our time. It only takes one generation to fail it. And boom, you got a generation that doesn't know the Lord. There's an old song in the 1990s sung by a group by the name of For Him. It was entitled For Future Generations. I'm sure Jonathan can remember that. We went to see him. He was, by the way, Jonathan was in my uh, small youth group in uh, 
high school. So I've known Jonathan for a long time when I was a leader in the youth group at that time. The lyrics go like this. Looking in the eyes of the children, knowing that tomorrow is at stake, when the choice is up to them, will they have the strength to say, we won't bend and we won't break. We won't water down our faith. We won't compromise in a world of desperation. What has been, we cannot change. But for tomorrow and today, we must be a light for future generations. Will you be that light with your family? Only time will tell. So that brings us to the application. The application is, will you commit to fully follow and serve the Lord and train up your children so that the next generation knows the Lord? Parents, I implore you this night to choose whom you will serve and train your children up to know the one true and living God. Will your choice be the gods of this world or the one true God? I don't know where you are today, but in one generation, you could so fail your children that they may grow up not having a relationship with the Lord. I pray after the soberness of this message, you will say what I have said to my family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. And thank you for each of these parents. And I pray you give them wisdom, Lord. Give them the strength that they need to deal with raising children. It's so hard in a world that we live in today. And I pray you just give them that extra energy that they need and the determination to serve you by raising up their children in the admonition of your son. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.